Turn your Bibles with us, if you will, to the book of 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter. The book of 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter. By the way, if you don't have an outline of the sermon, please uh, lift your hand and Steve doing, is doing double duty this morning, but he'll make sure that you get a copy. We want you to make sure that, you, if you will, to follow uh, what we're doing this year. As most of you know, we are uh, sharing from the 13 epistles of the Apostle Paul, and we are going chronologically. Uh, and if you will... Uh, we have a an outline, not only of the study or the books that we'll be studying, but the history uh, setting of these particular writings. So we want you to have one of those, have an outline. And so he has both of those. Please take one. You can just fold it. And put it in your Bible or take both of those and fold them and put them in your Bible. Uh, But especially chronology of Paul's epistles. The chronology of Paul's epistles. And we started with his first writing and it is in, as I said, 1 Thessalonians. We covered chapter 1. Now we will not go chapter by chapter. There will not be enough time to do that. But I will go according to just simply the way that I feel the Lord is leading us. And what I'd like to do is uh, look at the second chapter of the book of First Thessalonians. I, re- I really wanted to uh, read that, and I left it on the copy machine. Uh, Brother Junius, Brother... Okay, uh, I left the scripture, and I really do want to read that. Most of you are there, and I'm sure that Kristen has it on the screen. But let me read the introduction, if you will, look on your the copy of your outline. Chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, a defense against insinuations about Paul's alleged ulterior motives. The apostle was subjected to a constant barrage of accusations. The Thessalonians themselves may have begun to question Paul's sincerity. Thank you so much. So Paul addressed the readers most affectionately. Paul puts them in mind of the manner of his preaching among them, then the manner of his conversation among them. Uh, keep in mind that the environment of, the, uh, of Paul's day was uh, similar to our environment today. So what was going on in Paul's day is also going on in our day. And uh, Brother Chris, I'm going to switch from this mic to this mic. Okay, here we go. And uh, I want to read, if you will, First Thessalonians chapter 2. I'd like to read 13 verses. Follow along with me as we read it. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, 
We were bold, look at that word, underline that word in your mind. We were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. Verse 3, for our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as nursing mother or a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but notice what he says here, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toll for laboring at night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. Your witnesses and God also how devoutly or devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who called you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when, I want this word really register when you receive the word of God which you heard from us you welcomed it not as the word of man but as it is in truth the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe I want to read that last verse that 13th verse with the message And now we look back on all this and thank God, an artesian well of thanks. When you got the message of God we preach, you didn't pass it off as just one more human opinion. But you took it to heart as God's true word to you, which it is. God himself at work in you believers. I can't stress the importance of those verses that we just read. And again, I I, I just really want you to take uh, the outline that we have and study these 13 epistles. This past week, I was at a uh, luncheon of about 100 uh, Christians, people that had gathered together over at Crowsdale Country Club, and we were eating together and seating at the table of about eight. Uh, We got to uh, talk with some of the folks, and of course, uh, one of my favorite people is is, uh, the writer of the message, which is, is, I love the the, uh, way he writes and the study that... uh, that he has. And I was sitting at the table, and they have been to our church. I was sitting at the table of the wife, uh, the uh, brother of the wife of the writer of 
the message. And Alice Whistler's mom and dad was sitting there, and they were raised her, and she came to the church for years. And uh, so we were talking about this this message, the uh, writing of the scripture. And the folks there did not even, they'd never heard of the message. And I was, I was shocked. I was amazed. Not that we need to be able to know every translation of the word of God. Uh, but uh, I was just amazed because my wife and I and then this church and people that we know have been introduced to this particular translation of the word of God. And I thought to myself, you know, I just wonder today, do people really read the Bible? Do we really know the word of God? And we were there at this particular luncheon to do some good, to reach out to people, to be busy about spreading the gospel and getting the word of God out around, I believe it was to almost, well, it was to to every nation, which there are around 200 nations of the world and all the nations to the world except 12 that's been gotten out through uh, CEF, Child Evangelism Fellowship. And so uh, I'm thinking we're there to do good. We're there to, to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But do we read it? Do I read it? Whatever translation you choose to read it from. And that's the reason that I really, really am, am just really concerned that we as believers read the Bible. And this is a tool, the teaching that we're doing this year is a tool to whereby that it will challenge us to open this book and to read the Bible and then read the history that goes along with the writing that the Apostle Paul wrote to whatever church he wrote to. So uh, that, that's the reason that we do this. Uh, Paul here in verses 1 through 6 is explaining his ministry uh, in negative terms. Notice what he says. He said, uh, our coming to you was not in vain, not of deceitful, not of deceitful uh, exhortation, nor uncleanness, nor of guile. It was not to please man, neither flattering words, nor a cloak of covetousness, nor of men sought we glory. All those negative things, verses 1 through 6 of chapter 2, Paul is talking to us or talking to that church and, of course, to us concerning. And then he goes into the positive. He says, we were gentle, we were desirous of you. We departed our own soul. We gave of ourselves to you. We labored night and day. We preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says we behaved justly. We behaved justly. And then he said we exhorted you. We comforted you. And we charged you. Paul was serious about what he wrote. He was serious about his relationship with God. And we say, well, that was, that was an apostle. That was a disciple. That was a preacher. He was involved in religion. He was involved. All of us should be serious. All of us should take what we do seriously. 
And we notice in his preaching, notice we have titled here, For Real? And it is a study of the second chapter of the book of 1 Thessalonians. I want to ask you this morning, are you for real? I see so many people that have a facade or, or, or they, they hide behind something. But God wants us to be real. And we first of all have a preacher that was real and one that was worth imitating. Paul was bold to speak. First, uh, the second chapter, the second verse. He said, I was bold to speak. I believe that the church, this church, God's church, needs boldness. It is important that we stand up and be bold. If men will be bold to sin, we must be bold to reprove. You say, Pastor, I'm not too bold. The early church was known because of its spirit-filled and baptized position. They were known for being bold. You say, Pastor, I'm not too bold. Well, someone said that boldness springs from courage in God, a love for God, and, a, and, and not only a love for God, but love for others. Strong love, listen to this, absorbs all selfish fears and makes the soul heroic. So if we're not bold, I wonder if we love enough. Aliyah, Florida. Some of you might have seen this on television. Halea, Florida. There was a lady getting gas and at the filling station. Well, on the other side of her, there was another lady that she was filling up her car with fuel. Well, she noticed over there that uh, these two carjackers attacked or tried to attack this woman. But she was able to shut the door lock the door, and take off. And she's filling up her red Mustang with fuel. And all of a sudden, these two hooded guys come around. One gets in the passenger side, and one gets in the driver's side. Well, she reaches into the passenger side and jerks the guy out and takes his hood off. And he runs. And the guy on the passenger side, he runs. And she stands there as brave as she can be. You know why? She had two children in the back seat. You don't mess with a mother with children. The love that she was bold. I love animal programs, programs and I love this. Watch the grizzly bears and I saw a mother grizzly bear with two cubs. And over the horizon came a male Grizzly bear, and he ran after the mother bear and the cub bears. And if you know anything about grizzlies, male grizzlies, they will kill cubs. I mean, they will. And here he comes a galloping and a galloping. Well, they're trying to outrun him, and they can't outrun him. And all of a sudden, this mother bear, which weighs about half as much as that male bear, turns on the male bear and whoops up on him. You don't mess with a mother, with children. 
They will get you. So that love, it makes us fearless. And if we love God and love his word, we won't be ashamed to speak his word at the appropriate time. We won't be ashamed to stand up for him. And if the world is so brave and outrageously sinning, why can't we say something about the love of God and about the word of God? Paul said, I come to you in boldness. I pray one thing that would happen to the church that the early church possessed is that we would have the boldness to stand up for God in this culture in which we live. That's good preaching, Brother Don. Just keep right on. He was bold. Boldness. Paul sought to please God rather than man. Oh. We've got so many man pleasers. I'm afraid I will offend. I'm not talking about being ungodly and unfriendly. I'm not talking about going out and embarrassing God and, 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 and everybody else. I'm talking about being discreet, but yet being bold and not wanting to please ourselves and wanting to please man. In our prayer time in the office this morning, we had some to pray, as we said, for humility and for us to get rid of our pride. Pride keeps us from being free in the Lord. Pride keeps us from praising God. Pride keeps us from stepping out and being obedient to God when it comes to witnessing and telling others about Jesus Christ. God, help us. Help us not to want just to please man. He was bold. But you know why you know why he was bold? He said, I was bold in our God. <laughs> God Almighty helps us to be bold. God Almighty helps us to speak up. God Almighty helps us to want to witness and tell others about Jesus Christ. And these people going to New Orleans, they need boldness. They really do. And we pray for them and we pray. But it doesn't matter whether it's in New New Orleans or whether it's your office where you work or the school that you attend. We need boldness. He never employed flattery, but he spoke the truth forthrightly. Paul practiced gentleness in his ministry. He did not use a cloak of greed. You see this all the time on television. Don't get angry at me if I say something about your favorite TV preacher. But many of them, they start off with whatever and end with that $1,000 gift that you're supposed to send in. It's, it's filled with greed and covetousness. Had a lady in the church that she gave and gave and gave and gave and gave and gave to one network, religious network. And she had money. And when she died, she had very little money because she had given it all away. And that guy lives on $2 million a year. Folks, you need to know who you're giving to. He said, oh, but they preach the gospel. Uh Uh-uh. Saw one this week. He sat up there in one of the networks, and I know him. He's a drug addict. 
Know who you're giving to. Know who you're listening to. Paul said, I didn't come with all the gimmicks. I didn't come. In fact, he said, I work night and day. That you wouldn't have to worry about supporting me. Now, I believe in supporting the ministry. Don't get me wrong. But we need to be careful where we send our money. And we need to be careful about those that's greedy. Paul said, watch that. Paul's faithful exhortation, comfort, and care for the people. Exhortation is a sort of a long word. Exhortation, there are two different shades of meaning. They were, this was a blended word. It could mean an urge strongly or a warning or advice. Listen to these two statements. Addressed to the careless, slothful, tempted, and fallen, it is exhortation. We exhort you to live right. We exhort you to keep yourself pure and holy. We exhort you. We encourage you. We strongly urge you. We warn you. We don't like that sometimes. We don't like for the preacher to warn us or try to help us to say, don't go that way. Don't live that way. Here, live according to the word of God. And then there is to the sad and the seeking, it is solace and comfort. I'm talking about the word exhortation. He knew how to be balanced. We've got those that will come down on you and judge you and say that you're a sinner and you're going to go to hell and all of these things. Then we've got the compromise. And on the other hand, that says you're okay, just float on in or get into heaven. You know, you're fine. No matter, you can live together without being married. You can drink your booze. You can do all of these things. And you're still a believer, spirit-filled even, and you can go to heaven. But there's a balance we're not here to condemn anyone to hell. We certainly are not here to judge. We're here to make the comfortable sometimes uncomfortable. And that's okay if it's the Spirit of God, if it's the Word of God. But Paul is so balanced here. With Paul, there was no hidden agendas. Wow. He was sincere. Sincerity in motive. He was sincere in his pre, in his speech. He was sincere in his aim. He ha, he harbored no evil intentions. Wouldn't it be good if you dealt with every person you dealt with during the day had no evil intentions? I mean, I mean, they spoke the truth. He had no. No evil intentions. He sought not to propagate the gospel by fraudulent wiles or false representations. The life of a man whose motives were sincere will be transparent as a light. Someone said this, when God made man, he left one capital defect. And that was a window in his breast. I believe the sincere man, the sincere woman opens a window in their breasts by the whole tenure of, of their words and certainly their actions. Be honest. Be open. Don't have anything to hide. I mean, that's something you don't see a whole lot today. So Paul imparted himself as well as the gospel. Listen to this statement. I love this statement. A gospel messenger who stands detached from his audience has not yet been touched by the very gospel he 
proclaims. God didn't put us here to be aloof from everyone else. God has put us here to love. To cry with someone that cries. To laugh with someone that laughs. I love that. So the preacher was real. The church was real. How about this church? How about you? We're the church. Each individual. We're the church. Their faith was real. They became examples to others. They gladly received the word of God. In other words, they welcomed the message. And I believe and I trust that you're doing that today. Not only did they receive the word of God, they received it as a divine revelation of God rather than human philosophy. Oh, preacher's just up there just talking. He's up there just preaching. I trust I'm preaching the word of God and I hope we take it as that. I hope we receive it as that. When you read the scripture on the, on, on the screen or you read it from the Bible, understand it's just, as, it's just as current as if God himself was taking out his iPhone and texting you and saying, here it is. This is it. That's God texting us today. The church, they receive the life-giving energy of God's word. Can I, can, can I read that again? That I that I, I read to us earlier. Let me read it again. But I want to read it with the with the message. And now we look back on all this and thank God. And He said, "An artesian well of thanks." When you got the message of God, we preach. You didn't pass it off as just one more human opinion. But you took it to heart as God's true word to you, which it is. God himself at work in you believers. Not only was the preacher real, not only was the church real, but the gospel is real. Can I say something important? The gospel works. It works. I mean, if you want to find something that works... Read, study, understand, and practice the gospel because it works the gospel in power with deep conviction and assurance. The subduing and penetrating power of the gospel. It will change your life. That's the reason I said, folks, listen, we can do good. We can, we can do all kind of good things and be good people. And we can go to church. We can even pay our tithes. But if we don't get the word of God in us, we won't stand in this day and hour in which we live. And just a sermon on Sunday morning is not enough. Read it. Study it. Live it. The preacher was real. The church was real. The gospel was real. God's word effectively works. We must avoid, listen to this, negating its authority and nullifying its effectiveness for growth in our lives by refusing to receive it as God's true word. I'm going to read that again because it's powerful. It is so true because if it's preached and just goes to the ear, gets in the mind, gets in the head, but if it doesn't go here, It does not suffice us as it should. It does us very little good. 
And that's the reason we're weak through the week. Whoa. Let me say it again. That's the reason that we're weak. And we, if we're not careful, we fall. Get the word of God in. This past week, the spirit of hopelessness hit me hard. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever had that to happen to you. I just felt like this is hopeless. And the devil bombarded my mind with it. And, 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 but I began to quote the scripture. I began to pray. And I began to weep. And the Holy Spirit came in and took. Here's what happens. He took that word and began to make it alive in me. And it just like, it just like a raincoat I put on. And that spirit of hopelessness and discouragement and despondency. It just melted away. And all of a sudden, I felt like, wow, I feel like running through a troop and jumping over a wall. That's what happens when you get the word of God in you. But if you don't have it, it doesn't work. You may face that this coming week, a spirit of discouragement and hopelessness. But God wants to touch your life. He wants to minister to you and give you overcoming grace. He'll do that. This was a real preacher. That was a real church. God's word is a real gospel. Get a hold of it. Live it. Love it. Let it live in you. It will work. Hallelujah. It's not just something I'm trying to get you to do. Take, take and read these, these books. Listen, these 13 epistles are great in the fact that they tell us how to live. Don't you want to know how to live as a Christian? And, and it does it today, just like it, it did back then. With all the stuff that's going on in the world today. But it not only tells us how to live, it gives us power to live it. You see, God just don't give us a whole bunch of this, do this, and do that, and do the other, and send you on your way. He takes you, he gives you the word of God, he gives you the knowledge, and then he puts his spirit in you. And that spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the word of God becomes alive. Alive. 